Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the VFA Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Scheinwald. I'm on the VFA Entrepreneurial Board, and I'm the founder of MissionDrivenGroup.com, a portfolio of student-related companies. Uh, before we talk about our guest, I want to give a big shout-out to my friend who facilitated our guest being here today. Uh, he's a friend of the podcast, a friend of the entrepreneur, Eric Schrader. Uh, he's the founder of Venwise, a firm which facilitates um, CEO groups, venture-backed CEO groups. Uh, these CEOs meet up monthly and learn best practices from each other. Um, our guest today, John Stein, is a member of the Venwise group, and uh, he's the founder of Betterment. Betterment is an automated investment advisor, or a robo-advisor, if you will, where your finances are managed not by a human being, but by an online platform. If the concept seems odd to you, it shouldn't, because Betterment has 100,000 customers, including me, and currently manages $2.5 billion in assets and growing. John, a Harvard grad, was a consultant in the financial industry, and as a student at Columbia Business School, started Betterment to fix what he saw as a broken financial system. Welcome to Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Building things can be really hard, and entrepreneurship is often portrayed in the media as the sexy or even worse, easy career path. Through this series, we plan to pull back the curtain and tell the gritty stories of entrepreneurship. We're striving to create a relaxed environment where entrepreneurs feel free to tell their stories. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. Okay, John, thanks, uh, thanks so much for being here. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, so this is a pretty exciting week. I mean, Betterment was just named uh, in a study uh, that the New York Times commissioned as one of the next 50 unicorns, and maybe we'll get to that uh, in further questions. But uh, there's clearly a lot to discuss about the Betterment story. I want to start from the beginning, because in an interview you said, you know, my family encouraged me to go for it, to take the risk. Their support enabled me to make the leap. How was your family so, in- so instrumental in-, in pushing you forward? My family has always driven me to be fairly independent as as I remember it. I think back to they I remember one year they 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 left the house and and I decided to set up the the family Christmas tree and decorate it all on my own. I was probably like, I don't know, 7 or 8 years old and um it was uh you know uh, I, I just love and, and they were so proud of me for having done that and supportive of it and it's like one of those kind of silly like early things but I just I remember loving um, you know their support when I would, would go out and, and do something and um, I would have uh, a lemonade stand or I would have uh, uh, you know a, a little business and um, they never really questioned uh, those those choices that I made or those things that I wanted to do or if they did they, they were supportive and they were the right kinds of questions. Were you were you part of an entrepreneurial ecosystem? Were you, were, you, were, you, were your families were your family members entrepreneurs? Were you the kid with the lemonade stand growing up? Uh, <laughs> my both my parents were city planners when I was when I was young, and so I had I developed a love for maps 
and this interest in how things work and how the city works and how all the different parts kind of work together. I think I've always had an engineering mindset. There's a, there's a lot of engineers in my family on, on both sides. And I love approaching a problem with that kind of en- engineering uh, uh, sense. More, more that than, say, a, an entrepreneurial bent. Uh, I, I tend to be a, a problem solver uh, by, 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 by upbringing. Okay, one more pregame question here. Uh, in, in doing a little background on you before the show, I noticed that you, when you were at Harvard, you managed the Dunster Grill, which I think is your, was your dormitory grill. And I'm curious if that had any long-term impact on your thinking about service, building a company, managing people, etc. I think that grill experience had a big impact on me. There are other people who've run the grills at Harvard who've gone on to uh, start businesses. I think uh, a lot of people know Tony Shea, who's the CEO of, of course, Zappos, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and he ran the grill at Quincy House, another one of the, the Harvard undergraduate dorms uh, just next to Dunster. I had a great uh, time doing it. I, I loved running a business. It wasn't something, it's not something you get experience with and, and very easily, um, but, uh, but it was a, a profitable business. And I got to employ my friends and work with people I liked. And that had a big impact on me. And I've hired actually a lot of my friends at Betterment. I've hired a lot of people I knew in college or in business school or in, in my former working life. And people always ask, is it hard to hire your friends? And, and how is it to work with them? And I say, no, I, I know how to, this is all I know how to do. <laughs> this, is, this is the way to, to start a company. Uh, and uh, uh, so I, I think that that experience was, was helpful in, in, in my current role. So let's talk about Betterment. Um, it's funny, like, I, it seems to me as I think back about Betterment, and I should say I'm a, I'm a customer. Um, Thank you for being a customer. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it, it seems like, like Betterment burst onto the scene two or three years ago, but uh, you know, I was actually surprised then to see that Betterment launched in 2008. And um, when you were completing your MBA at, at, at Columbia, I believe, um, you know, MBAs don't really live in dorms. We just talked about dorms a second ago, but um, was this basically dorm room entrepreneurship? Yeah. So... It's hard to put an exact start date on, on Betterment. I, the date I usually pick is May of 2010 when we launched, and that was when we could first take on external customers, when people started signing up. Uh, before that, for years, I was working on, on this idea, uh, and, uh, and while I was in business school, I took the summer uh, when, I was at, when I was at Columbia Business School to build the code for the front end of the site. Uh, I started working on some of the back-end trading algorithms and systems so that I could have something to show to investors and to potential partners and people like this. It was at that time that Eli joined me in, t- in 2008 as my co-founder. And we started working together, he on the, the legal and regulatory side and, and me on, on more of the business and, and some of the coding and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I used every class at, at Columbia to be a sounding board for, uh, for, for, for the business idea. I, I, it was the final project in my entrepreneurial finance class. It was the project for my new product development class. Everywhere I could go, I was getting feedback on Betterment. So you, you graduated in 2009 and you started taking customers in, at Betterment in 2010? Is That's that right. Okay, got it. Um, and I, I read a great quote from you. You said, you know, I, I, from your early days, you said, I found that no one would listen to me until I had something to show. Tell me about that. What did, what did clients and investors want to see from you? What did, what did you need to show before you could get going? 
Well, finance is so abstract. I think people have a hard time understanding how finance will change. And I would say, I, I think the existing financial service products out there are no good. I mean, I, I, I've experienced many of them in my career as a banker and, and as a consumer of them. Uh, and and I would say, I, I just imagine this better experience and it's going to do this and that and the other thing. And it's going to give you holistic advice and so on. And people just kind of scratch their heads and say, yeah, I mean, like, how is that different from X? <laughs> and, and I'd say it's so different from that. Don't you understand? Like, it's, that thing is terrible. Uh, <laughs> but you have to build it. You have to make it real for people to understand what you mean. And, of course, the, the early version that I put together is nothing like what, what Betterment looks like today. But some of the core things, like I, one of the first things that I built was this future projection graph of how your balance might grow over time. I wanted a simple visualization that would help you make a better decision about how to allocate your money. And showing something like that helped people to see, oh, okay, so it's, it is a little different than, than other things that exist. So making it real is, is the advice that I often give to entrepreneurs. Just make it real as quick as you can. So until you were customer ready, you were entirely bootstrapped? It was a bootstrapped organization through and through? There were no investors on board? We had some family and, and uh, uh, friend money that, that we pulled in. And, uh, and we pulled in some strategic investors um, along the way, small, small amounts. Uh, I think I was still the, the biggest investor until we launched. So I you know, had some savings from my, um, uh, from my time in consulting. And, uh, but our first big round of money was the, the Series A that we raised from, uh, from Bessemer. And we raised about $3 million from, from Bessemer Ventures. And then some other angels joined that, that round as well. And then in February of this year, you raised $60 million. What's, I mean, clearly, there, there's got to be a big difference between you know, what investors want to see when you're at the idea stage and then, of course, what they want to see when you're, at, when you're, you know, when you're asking for a $60 million investment. Like, what, do, what do you need to show investors to get that kind of backing? You couldn't just start a business or have an, a good idea and get that level of, of financial commitment because to, to give you that level of money, investors want to see that you're going to spend it well, that you have a team in place, that you have financial controls in place, that you're going to allocate that to the best uses of, of that capital, um, and so on. And it took us years to build the company to the point where we were ready to take on that that level of, of financial investment. So they want to see a team. They want to see a, a business that works with customers who are growing their balances over time, uh, who uh, who love the product, uh, say say great things about it, and so on. We had all of that. We had all the great metrics that you want to see about a business. And it's interesting. We're talking about the early days. Uh, again, another great quote for you. I said, if you think back five years ago, uh, we were really a voice in the wilderness. We were saying, everyone's going to be using automated investment services one day. Um, and nobody was really listening. Nobody really believed us. What changed? Like, I, I, I know myself, as I mentioned, I'm a customer. Like, I don't think I would have been ready for this in 2008. Um, what changed between then and now? In 2008, there was a lot of dissatisfaction with financial services. There was a lot of grumbling about, oh, I hate my bank, I, you know, my investment company. Because remember, that's when the market took a big tumble. That's, it was the seeds of things like Occupy Wall Street and so on. So there was a lot of frustration about financial services. I, all of that was kind of coincidental or tangential to, to me. I thought this product was needed regardless of, of all of that frustration. It seemed to me that there had been an underinvestment in 
technology and financial services, and that there was a lack of alignment between customers and, and their financial institutions. And if we just started from a place of what the customer wants we can, and saw what we built, we'd build something great. Um, I think what's changed over, over, that, over that period is uh, uh, there's generally more acceptance of web technology. People are using their phones everywhere. People are uh, checking their, their bank accounts wherever they go. People are just more comfortable with the idea of newer companies taking on existing incumbent industries. And financial services is one of the ones that needs the most, uh, <laughs> the most change and, and the most rethinking. I want to get to that change in rethinking, but I, before I forget, I want, so who, who is the typical Betterment customer these days? Can you, I'm sure you got the analytics. Can you, can you break it down for us? Yeah, we have customers who are 96. We have customers who are 18. We have customers with over $10 million with us, and we have some customers who are just starting out. So there's a broad range of different types of people using Betterment. There's an average, but that average kind of masks all the diversity of, of the client base. And the right. average age is about 36. Uh, the average income is about $100,000 with uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars of net investable assets. There are 50% of our customers are over age 50. Hmm. Right? So there's, there's a huge uh, uh, dispersion of, of customers um, but behind, behind those, those averages. But if you think about it, the typical customer is very much like me. It's someone who's 36, um, is a professional, is either a banker or a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or something like this, uh, who's got enough money that they uh, need to do something smart with it uh, and is sophisticated enough to know what to do. And I don't know where I'm going with this question, so it might get edited out. <laughs> but I mean, I, I'm like, I, there's constant you know, studies and, and stats about like how we're in a savings crisis in our society, and like we sometimes have negative savings rates as a society. Um, you know, I mean, are you are you fearful for our future? I mean, I've got to assume you feel like Betterment's going to be part of the solution. But as a society, I mean, are we in, are we in trouble? We'll be okay. Uh, you know, we do have a negative. Uh, uh, we have a, a problem with savings in, in this country, and that fifty percent of the country is in debt, and the other half has some savings. But of that other half that has some savings, even half of them don't have enough savings for it to amount to something significant. It's, so when we're talking about people who are saving and investing, like it or not, we're talking about a quarter of the population. We're talking about the college graduates. We're talking about like that, the quarter of the population that you know in your, in, in your daily life. Right. Um, it's your podcast listeners, right? right? Um, I would love to say that there's you know, something we can do to uh, enable everyone to invest, but you know, this gets into questions of, uh, you know, that kind of go beyond our ability to cope with them. It gets into income disparity. It gets into things that government can really better solve than, than, than we can. And would I like to get us into a place where we can do that? Absolutely. Um, I want to be an advocate for, for those people. Uh, and uh, we're just we're probably just not quite there yet, but we are steady, starting to get the attention of the government, right? People um, in the Department of Labor are, are mentioning us in Senate hearings. People are talking mm -hmm. about betterment as a as a solution to four hundred one k problems. Uh, people are talking about betterment as a real advisor and a fiduciary. When a lot of people say we need more fiduciary advisors and we need to give access to fiduciary advisors to to more people, I saw an interesting stat that. 
maybe 10 or uh, 12% of all retirement spending comes from personal savings. Most retirement spending comes from Social Security is about a third, and working in retirement is another third. And if you think about the general population, that's where they're getting most of their income. If they have their Social Security and they're still working, probably both of these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then for those of us who are lucky enough to have the capacity to save, we can provide for ourselves a more relaxing and, and better retirement. A new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Smart People Should Build Things, the Venture for America podcast. So, you know, this was, Betterment was inspired by, you know, I think you already mentioned that, you know, you sort of felt like the system was broken. What, what was so badly broken about that system? What, what, what needs to be fixed? I saw so many bad practices when I was consulting to banks. I saw fees charged and for, for kind of egregious things, like like customers at, at one bank on average were paying four overdraft fees a month, each $40, right? So $160 a month. And they were opening branches in low-income neighborhoods and, and intentionally targeting people who they knew would overdraft on those accounts. So it was a checking account that was just stealing money from people. This kind of thing, you know, that's a particularly egregious example, but that kind of thinking uh, pervaded the institutions that uh, I, was, I was working with. It was a lack of thought about the impact on the customer or what actually would benefit the customer, and it was purely, um, you know, a, a thought of, well, how can we make the most money out of, out of this product? There's nothing wrong with that sort of capitalist drive to make money. It's, it's, it's what drives me. It's what drives all of us. However... I do think it's important uh, for an industry uh, to think about what is the end impact on our customers and what can we do to, to make their lives better. And because of the protections given financial services, because of the, the regulatory uh, you know, protection that they have, uh, some of these companies, not all of them, but some of them had, had built up a lot of bad practices. And, uh, and once in a generation or so, you get a chance to come in and, and uh, revisit all of that. And technology has, has given us really incredible tools to be able to go in and make these processes more efficient and, and start from a place of alignment with customers that I don't think was possible 10 or 15 years ago. And speaking of that, of being broken, like Betterment has come in. I, I looked at your site today, 100,000 customers, $2.5 billion in assets, which it is a lot of billions, but it, maybe it's not a, as 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 many billions as as a as a, ma- you know, as a major major financial institution has. Um, you know, why why can't a major financial institution quickly adapt to a betterment and and take you on? You know, why why are you having so much success? And and what is the reaction? Have you seen some competitive reactions from from the ma- any major players? Sure, there 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 have been competitive reactions, and we've always said that if we were successful as a business, everyone would would one day be doing this and we would have tons of competition because this is the future of investing. This is it. This is what everyone's going to be doing with their money. Uh, if you start now, you get the advantage of doing it doing it sooner. If you start in 10 years, you will have missed out on <laughs> you know the last 10 years of, of, of taking advantage of it, but eventually you're going to be doing this. It's just so much better than it's 10 times better than managing your money on your own. It's so much better than um, than, than other options that are out there. So can they? Yes. Uh, and will they? Yes. Um, 
the challenges that the big institutions have are, are, are manyfold, but they include technology challenges. They've got 40 or 50 years of legacy technology debt that's just that's very hard to, to change that. There's distraction. So they're, they're operating multiple business lines with multiple priorities for growth, and they're accountable to their shareholders every quarter in order to deliver on that growth. How do you find time to invest the you know, $100 million that you're going to have to to build a new business that's not going to yield returns for you for five years mm-hmm. until you get it off the ground and figure out, you can't do that as a big company. So that's why we have entrepreneurs and that's why we have small companies that, <laughs> that, that, that do these kinds of things. So there's a lot of challenges that those companies have. How do, how do, you, how do you ensure that you, you, that you don't, don't end up corrupted like the others? You know, how do you, <laughs> how do you make sure that you, you know, that, that when we're interviewing you in, in 20 years that, that, that there's no, there are no egregious fees and there, there isn't some sort of you know, lack of nimble, you know, the ability to, to compete aggressively? I hope that our customers will, will keep us honest. We, we believe a lot in, in transparency. We believe in alignment with our customers in being very clear about how we make our money. We only make our money off of the customer fees that you know that we disclose to them. They pay us for everything. We're not getting, getting paid to recommend product to them. We're not getting paid by you know certain funds or you know uh, uh, any sort of uh, payment for order flow. Or there's so many bad practices in this industry and in like shady ways that everyone else gets paid. We're doing it the right way and we're being very intentional about that. And I hope that our customers can appreciate that. And, and I think that differentiates our offering today and, and will continue to over time. So you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned that, um, that you know, you, like this is, this is the wave of the future, right? Like this is, this is, you think that in the future, everyone will be robo-advised. Um, so, you know, is it is it a landscape where, like today, you know, there's the mom and pop, uh, you know, I used to have my I used to have my finances managed by by a husband and wife team who were very good and very attentive, and and they managed part of my finances, and I had another, you know, registered investment advisor, etc. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, is, is there going to be the the mom and pop robo advisor, and then the big, you know, betterment will be the what used to be, I guess, Merrill Lynch or something like that? <laughs> I don't think that those mom-and-pop shops or any traditional, uh, you know, human investment advisors going away. I mean, my, uh, my own parents still have, have their investment advisor, right? They have a relationship with this person. Um, and, and I think many people are this way. They have a Betterment account too, right? Um, just, just, don't, just don't tell their advisor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I don't have uh, an investment advisor, although I have uh, sought advice, um, you know, fee-based advice from, from advisors in the past, and I found that valuable. And I, I think there are things that those advisors do that we don't do if you're, if you're thinking about, um, you know, uh, complex tax, tax issues, or some people are thinking about um, estate planning or how to transfer money to the, to the next generation. Like, there are things that, that advisors are really great for and can help, help you plan around, just like you, you might want a lawyer to do some of those things. Um, but if you're, uh, you know, if you're just managing money, well, you can use our technology, and we give our technology platform to uh, to advisors to use. We have Betterment Institutional, and many many advisors are signing up for this. We have a partnership now with Fidelity. We have a partnership now with Transamerica. Some big financial firms have said, "Oh yeah, we want to use this Betterment technology." to better manage our client assets. And our advisors will recommend clients to, to use this technology and then help them help them implement it. 
I see that as, as the future. So you're still going to have people um, wanting to go to people for advice, as they as they always have for for millions of years. They're just going to be using better technology to actually perform all the all the back office and investment management functions. So we're talking about the competitive landscape. You have a, you have a pretty um, you know feisty competitor. <laughs> uh, I you know um, I maybe I'll throw out my own bias here. I, I tend to let competitors say what they want and let their integrity re- reflect upon themselves. But um, it seems like there was a, a, a fairly aggressive move made online, kind of tearing down some some betterments principles and practices. Um, and you chose to respond in a in a fairly frank and you know mature kind of way. But I mean, tell me about that exchange and tell me about the decision um, to respond. I didn't want to respond initially. Uh, I thought, this is just absurd, and, and what's this about? I ended up writing a post, and I, I said most of what I want to say about it in that post uh, on, uh, on Medium. And, um, but the decision to respond came from uh, our, our team's input to me that, you know, if you, if you let this stand without a response, uh, you know, people could think that some of the things that were said are true. And, uh, you know, they're obviously not. I mean, it was just full of falsehoods and misinformation and, you know, just terrible. And it was really offensive to not just me, but to our team who's been working at this for so many years and and doing it for like all the right reasons and cares a lot about what we're doing. And, you know, so you've got to kind of set the record straight for um, for your for your customers and and for the team. So. This week has been a crazy week in the market. The 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 and um, this will be this will be this will be uh, released at a later date. So we're going to show that we're dating this podcast by a week or two. <laughs> Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, Dow drop by a thousand points, pop back up, pop back down. You know, up four hundred points today. I don't know something like that. Um, is this a time when? Are, when people panic, do they want to talk to another human being? I mean, are you getting people calling saying, "Hey, I, I want to talk to someone"? Have your phone lines been buzzing? Call volume, email volume are up slightly. However, logins to the site over last weekend, we only saw 17% of our customers log in, which is typical for a weekend. We see about 17%. On, so it's average customer traffic. We've seen, we've had a couple of our biggest deposit days of all time uh, this week. Uh, people uh, people are, are continuing to invest in their Betterment accounts. We've had um, regular, if not higher than average, account signups and people funding accounts. Um, so, uh, so activity and traffic are, are very normal for us and, and similar, and, and not not really out of the ordinary. Uh, those people who do call in want to know. Usually, they're, they're people who've just started using the product, and you know maybe have only been on on it for a week or so, and so they're like sort of naturally inclined to wonder more what, what's going on or to, to want to maybe it accelerates when they want to sort of have that that check-in call with us and uh and they're asking you know should i be concerned about this and we say well when you signed up for us we told you there was going to be volatility you you've, you you know we're very clear that there's going to be ups and downs along the way and you told us about a time horizon you said that you wanted to invest for something 20 years from now so whatever happens today doesn't matter in 20 years. You know the market could fall 25 percent, and it doesn't matter at all. 20, 20 years is such a long time frame. You're expecting your money to double a couple of times over that period. And there's going to be a lot of volatility between here and there. But if you just stay the course, and if you're invested for the appropriate time horizon, you have nothing to worry about. So going back to the to the, to the Betterment story itself, like you you bootstrapped for for how long? For about two years, I was saying, and. 
um, and then thereafter, you had a, a seed round and a and and a Series A round that was, I think, three million dollars. Was there, you know, was there ever a period of time like we talked a little beforehand? You seem to be very, very certain of the path that you were on, and very obviously very committed to it, and have made it work. But was there ever a, a, a period of time where you thought to yourself, you know, I just might not get the traction. We just might have to give up the ghost on this one. I used to say that starting a company was a little bit like getting onto a roller coaster. There's ups and downs, it's terrifying and it's thrilling, but you can't get off, right? No matter what, no matter how bad it gets, you can't get out of the car, right? You're strapped in, you're stuck, you're there until the end of the ride. And I felt that way a few times. I felt sometimes like maybe I did want to get out, you know, maybe maybe like, oh, this is too hard for me. I don't know if I can take it. This is This is going to be brutal. But there's really no no option. <laughs> you're, you're you're in it. It's your thing. You're here. You go, and uh, uh, and I'm you know. Listen, uh, I, I'm I often say that that I have the best the best job in the world. I'm really thrilled to to have the position that that I do. I love my my day to day. I love my team, uh, and uh, and I'm so so grateful. But of course, as with anything, there are times when <laughs> when you're exasperated and and uh, and 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 you you wonder about other choices that, that you could have made along the way. You just said you have the best job in the world. I always paraphrase Winston Churchill in saying that I feel like entrepreneurship is the worst job in the world, except for everything else. Which is, of course, what he <laughs> what he said about democracy I love being, that, the, right? being the, the best worst, system, yeah, exactly. except for all the others. Yeah, yeah except, exactly it. Um, and and you know, so you have the, you have your co-founder. Um, is it Eli or Ellie? Is it um, Eli? It's Eli. Okay, with an E L. It's tough to tough to know. Um, uh, who who's, who's been there from near the start, and you know, is, is this is this a team that's been there together through it all? Or I mean, I know obviously you've grown significantly, but but is this is, is the is the core still there from the beginning? Yeah, Eli's been there from the start. In fact, all of our early engineers who started with us in the in the first year are still with us today. I think that's really unusual. I mean, mm-hmm. the. the all the core team. Anthony, who was our first hire, chief product officer, still there. Uh, we uh, we've been very lucky in that in that respect, um, and I really appreciate the loyalty of our team and their commitment to to our mission. Um, I, th- I think it's unusual. <laughs> it's, it's what about a hundred people now? And it's about a hundred people. Half of whom are, are engineers. That's right. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, that's a that's a high engineering. Uh, we're you know <laughs> we sometimes say that we're we're engineering first. We t- we are an engineering company. I think I, I I said earlier I'm kind of an engineer by training. I like to solve problems, and when I see something, you often have two options when you see a problem. You can throw people at it or you can throw technology at it. And I would always rather throw technology at it because I think in the long term that's the more efficient solution. I don't think all of our competitors or all especially the big institutions think about things that way. Mm-hmm. I know we're on a tight time frame. I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to go back to that, that first question about the Times article that came out this week that speculated that you guys will be um, one of the next unicorns being one of the private companies that is, uh, you know, could be soon valued at a billion dollars. Is any of that important to you at all? Is the, is the symbolism of that meaningful? I'm glad you asked it that way because it's, no, it's not important to me. And, I, you know, it's, it's just sort of a distraction. Um, it is... Uh, the valuation is there um, as, a, as a metric for basically how easy or difficult it is for growth companies to raise money, right? Um, it is uh, uh, irrelevant to us because even an IPO, you know, the next financing, an IPO, whatever's, whatever comes in our future, these are just fundraising events in the very near term along the path 
of a of a you know fifty or a hundred year company story, right? Like we 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 often say we're building an institution. We're we're building a place that we want to be able to look back on in, in fifty years and say that's a really great thing. We want our children to appreciate the work that we did on on, on this company. And if you're thinking about things that way, like you know the the valuation you have this month or the next is it just doesn't matter. So it's, it's somewhat analogous to what you said what you'd say to these 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 clients who are calling you and saying, hey, you know, I'm worried about the Dow yeah. being volatile right now. Very much. Valuations so. <laughs> are volatile right now, and and uh, and you're looking you're looking at your 10, 20, 30, 100 year horizon. We know we have a great business here because we started in a good place. We know how the business works. We're giving advice. We're doing it better than any others can do it. We if we just keep building that if we just stay on track with our, our priorities, we're going to be doing something great. What, what I worry about is not so much that, that stuff, but I worry about um, my own uh, ability as a, as a CEO to execute. I, everything is, you know, not everything's on me. I, everything's on, on me and my team. But I've got I've to tell the right story. I've got to hire the right people. I've got to empower them. If I do that, we'll be wildly successful. We'll help millions of people. If I don't, I may not. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you are. We, I, I know you're on a, on, a, on a tight time frame, so we got to let you go. But uh, it sounds like you are. I've been at 100,000 clients and growing uh, every day and having great weeks amid market turmoil. It sounds like you're certainly got to be doing something right. So, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, usually we go about 20 minutes longer. So I'm gonna I'm gonna force you to come back at a later date. <laughs> I would love to. Minimum 20 <laughs> minutes, but maybe maybe the full 45. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.